Welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Worldwide Willis. And this is an LMG production. Now, today's episode is pretty simple, folks. We are going to talk about our matches of the week. We're going to break them down a little bit. And then we will talk about a few of my money in the bank uh, predictions. That's the latest pay-per-view or the upcoming pay-per-view we have uh, coming up in London. And then I'll kind of touch on what we're seeing with the bloodline story on storyline. It's pretty interesting. And then just finish it out. We will have our top five German suplexes of all time. German suplex, one of my favorite moves ever. I love it. Um, and we'll dig into the details of that in a bit. Now, to start out, we have our matches of the week. In my first entry, we have two of my, you know, I, I really like these wrestlers, two of my favorites. So uh, we have a qualifier match. Basically, this is a match to whoever wins is now in the uh, Money in the Bank match, which I think is six competitors uh, in a lat- basically a ladder match to grab the briefcase the money money in the bank briefcase so this particular match is la knight versus montez ford and whoever wins goes to uh, that big match with six people for the, in the latter match for the money in the bank so in this match uh la knight ends up winning i thought it was just a really good match like so um people were surprised and myself included to see that Montez Ford was going against LA Knight. Like, we thought, I mean, going in before the matches were set, you thought, okay, they're going to for sure have LA Knight in the final Money in the Bank match, and they're going to have Montez Ford. Like, that was just a thought. And so for them to put them against each other in a basically a, a win-or-die scenario was interesting, right? Because um, it sucks because now we don't get a Montez Ford potentially. I, I mean, they could write a story where the losers face each other and the winner gets back into the match, but who knows? But right now, it looks as though we're not going to get a Montez Ford in the Money in the Bank match, which kind of sucks. I mean, he's great in those matches. He's always been good in ladder matches. He's great in any match, really. But ladder matches, uh, I've seen even going back to NXT days, like with the Street Profits, like they've always done well with ladder matches. Um, but in this case, the match was fun because you didn't know who was going to win. And they, I feel like they created the match knowing the tension that was in the air. So like uh, to start the match, LA Knight comes out, Montez gets a little, you know, cool little solid reaction. You know, people like Street Profits, but then LA Knight comes out and then people start booing Montez Ford because LA Knight, I'm telling you, his stock is rising. People are loving him. I will say I was an LA Knight fan going back to his first time he ever appeared on NXT, right? I think it was 2021. I want to say I was, I was on it early uh, when people back then people see people try to switch up on Twitter and wrestling community. They'd be like, back then it was like, Oh, this guy, he's old. Why is he taking opportunities from younger guys? Why is he getting these looks? Why is he? I was like, nah, this dude nice. Like this dude can wrestle, but he's unbelievable on the mic. Like he needs to be pushed to the top. People were hating on him back then. Um, fast forward to now, he's probably the most the internet's favorite wrestler right now. Like people want him to win the Money in the Bank match, and we'll talk about that a little later with the predictions. But in this particular match, 
they did a good job of um, setting up the match with a lot of near falls, a lot of like, oh, we think he might win. Oh, no, he did. He, you know, other guy kicked out or whatever. And it kind of it was real, a lot of suspense in the match. And uh, L.A. Knight ended up winning. He actually ended up cheating. He was held in. He kind of it was a roll up. And then uh, L.A. Knight grabbed the ropes. And the ref didn't see it while he counted one, two, three. And so uh, L.A. Knight comes out with the victory um, in a very good match. Exciting. Really good uh, SmackDown match. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what L.A. Knight does in the uh, final Money in the Bank match. It's going to be fun. Uh, I, I truly believe we'll dig into a little more, but I think he's the guy uh, for the money money in the bank choice. But uh, the next uh, match of the week is Gunther, Gunther, the ring general uh, versus Kevin Owens on Monday Night Raw. This uh, I'm actually recording this on Monday after Raw and like they didn't publicize this match at all. Like, this was just a surprise match. And it's just like, this was a pay-per-view quality match. Like we knew, first of all, Kevin Owens and Gunther, like them in the match, we know it's going to be good. Like that's just the, it's just those two cannot have a bad match. However, it wasn't publicized. It was just kind of out of nowhere. And then it was like, oh my God, like you got Gunther against Kevin Owens. Like if they said this was a match at SummerSlam, I'd be like, okay, yeah. Of course, like that makes perfect sense. Like those two are both big time wrestlers and they deserve to to go against each other at a big time platform. We got this for free on a random episode of Raw. You know, what I mean, we got lucky and the match delivered as we as we thought, you know, um, really a lot of back and forth, um, really physical with those two. And I like because usually Gunther goes against Gunther can go against anybody. And look, make them look good. Like I've I've mentioned on this podcast plenty of times before. In this case, you have a Kevin Owens who just as ta- literally just as talented as Gunther in the ring. There's not many people I would say that uh, for, but Kevin Owens is just as talented, has just as good of a move set. So like they were pulling out all the stops against each other, and uh, Kevin Owens was not intimidated by Gunther's physicalness and his like just straight up raw uh, wrestling ability and strong style. Kevin Owens is bringing it to him. And man, it was just a really fun match. And I thought the finish was really good. So to finish it out, um, you know, great match going on. Imperium, which is the faction that Gunther is in, his two other members try to come in to distract uh, and, you know, cheat and help Gunther beat Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens ends up hitting him with the stunner. He's like distracted a little bit. Gunther rolls him up for a quick one, two, three, kind of catches him off guard. So what that does is it doesn't, it, obviously they had a great match, so that's great. But the finish doesn't make Kevin Owens look bad, right? It's not like Kevin Owens got hit with the finisher and lost clean, right? That's not what we want to do. But the way it finished, it makes you go, oh, okay, damn, I want to see that match again. You know what I mean? With no interference and, you know, you just want more, which is what if you're a booker, if you're Triple H, that's what you want the fans to to, to call for. They want another match. That's good. You did your job. So um, really good match. I really like the finish. Hopefully we get this again. 
I think because Kevin and Sammy are for the tag title, you know, run they're going on right now. I don't know when we'll get it again. I think we will get um, Kevin Owens, Sammy versus Imperium. Maybe it's at uh, Money in the Bank. Not sure, but we'll see. We shall see. Uh, my next uh, match of the week is uh, Seth Rollins versus Damian Priest. This is Seth Rollins um, on title defense for the World Heavyweight Championship. And man, these guys killed it. They killed it, right? And I've spoken about this on this podcast before, but like we know Seth Rollins is that dude. Like, we know he you could put him with a chair and he would figure out a way to have a good match, you know. But what I'm really happy about, I, again, like I talked about earlier, with LA Knight was not a LA Knight guy early. Was not. I didn't see it. Um, I saw the talent and I really loved his like homages to Scott Hall and his homages to Kane and things of that nature. I like that. That means he was like a historian, wrestling historian, which I always love. But I just, I didn't see the, I saw the skill in the ring, but the character wasn't great. And then his mic skills weren't great. He wasn't very confident. But now, man, I don't know. Like, shout out to Edge. Shout out to him for putting um, Damian Priest in the Judgment Day, which is the faction they have with Rhea Ripley, Dominic Mysterio. They replaced Edge with Finn Balor, but Edge was the original leader of Judgment Day. And Damian was a part of that first group iteration of it. And I, I truly believe at that point that Edge helped him gain confidence, like really have gained confidence not only in the ring because we all knew he could wrestle he's a big dude but he can really wrestle and he has martial arts background um so his striking is really cool you know it's always cool to see a big guy striker you know we, we always see like the little small guy who can really kick and punch and and jab and all these different things but you're seeing a six four or five dude do it that's really cool but I think Edge helped him gain confidence on the mic to where now when Damien talks, you're like, you're listening. Like, you're not critiquing. You're not, you're in the moment. You're taking in everywhere he's saying. And that wasn't the case even last year or, you know, two years, even when he was at NXT, he was having great matches. Nobody cared about him outside of uh, when the bell rang, you know. So I'm really happy Damien Priest is getting more looks. Um, he had a great match against Seth Rollins. Uh, he he lost, obviously, to Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins ended up with the victory. But, like, Damian looks – now Damian looks like a true – and he showed in this match – a true title contender. I didn't think that would be the case two, three years ago when he was going up against Sheamus at uh, WrestleMania, I think, 37, I think, for the U.S. title. Like, I didn't think – Damian would ever be a true title contender. I think he's there. I think he's there. Um, and he showed that uh, tonight. And uh, the crowd was really in it, really into it. And it was just fun, really fun. Oh, by the way, like his match with uh, his match with Bad Bunny is up there with match of the year. Like to be able to have a match of the year type candidate, Damian Priest with Bad Bunny uh, at Backlash, like that's hard to do. Like that dude was not a shout outs to, to bad bunny. Who's actually a true wrestling fan who prepares for the wrestling matches, loves wrestling. It isn't just a clout and he actually loves wrestling. 
But still, he isn't a pro wrestler. And for Damian Priest to go out there and have a outstanding match with him, that shout out to Damian. I'm sure I'm sure Damian Priest helped put that match together. So um shout out to him. So Damian Priest, stock is rising. I'm happy for him. And my last match of the week is uh in AEW. I know people might think I, I hate on AEW. Not at all. I really like AEW. Some of my favorite wrestlers are in AEW. And speaking of some of my favorite wrestlers, in this one, we have Darby Allen, which I do like. He's cool. But my probably my favorite wrestler in AEW outside of uh Brody King is my boy, Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, the workhorse, the the true workhorse of AEW right now. Uh, the international, inter, what do they call that? The international champion. They're basically like the, the AEW's like intercontinental t- title. That's the what they call it, the international title, I believe. But that, you know what it is. Like it's the workhorse title. It's the title they give to the, the best wrestler who wrestles every week, right? Um, and Orange Cassidy and um, Darby, we're in a tag team. I, I I forgot the tag team they went against. Um, it was a Samoan guy and another guy. They actually were impressive. Two big guys didn't know their names, but they're pretty good. Um, and it was a fun match they had on. I think it was on Dynamite. Yeah, on last Wednesday. And I love Orange Cassidy. I've loved him since the day I first saw him. Um, I've explained it on some of our podcasts um, before on the regular, you know, LMG network channel. And I've kind of explained like his gimmick is like very, you know, I'm the guy, very like emo, not really emo. It's hard to explain. Like he's like the teenager, you know, when you like, have you ever dealt with a teenager? Like a teenager never gives full effort at anything until like something flips a switch and then they finally take something serious. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's kind of like that. Like, he walks to the ring, kind of half-ass. Even his intro is like, uh, coming in from wherever, weighing it at whatever. You know, like, his intro is half-ass. Like, it's really funny. And so, uh, he's a, Orange Cassidy is one of those characters who's like, it started out comedy-based. His gimmick was very comedy-based, heavy comedy. but then. After every match he had, you were like, oh, snap, this dude is, like, not only one of the best wrestlers, like, he might be the best wrestler in AEW right now. That's, and that might be blasphemous for, for some people, but I think that's up there. I think he's one of the best. Um, he just actually has a gimmick where some of these other guys in AEW are outstanding wrestlers. They just don't have any, like, true character to them. So, Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen was a fun, fun match against those big guys. And it's fun because Orange Cassidy and Darby are small. So everything they were doing is like everything they did in that match to gain an advantage was like at a high pace. High like, okay, they ducked a, you know, they ducked a big man's clothesline. Okay, they're running full speed to the other side to come back and hit them full speed. The big man wouldn't fall. Then they go back and do it again, you know, just to get them off balance. It was very like very cool to see. Like they were throwing their bodies around and doing whatever they whatever they could to try to win that match. Um, Darby Allen hit the coffin uh, drop off the top rope to win it, but really fun match. 
really fun one. Um, I, I, I wasn't aware of that team they went against. Uh, for those AEW fans out there, shout out to you. Uh, let me know the name, maybe in the Facebook group or something or in the comments or something. I, I was really impressed with that tag team that they won against. And I didn't think that match would be that long, but I'm glad it was. Uh, it was a really fun one. All right, now we will talk about the upcoming pay-per-view, Money in the Bank. I think it's start of July, I believe. Um, and it's in London, which is going to be fun. Shout out to, like, WWE has always been a worldwide thing. But, like, we've been in uh, Wales. We've been at Clash at the Castle. We went at Backlash. We were in Puerto Rico. Um, at uh, Elimination Chamber, we were in Montreal. Like, we are all over the world, man. It's beautiful to see. Uh, and shoot, United Champions, we were in Saudi Arabia. Like, in all of every, each, every time, the fans showed up in a big way. And, like, changed, like, the cool thing about this thing being so international and these events being overseas is that it enhances the importance of these pay-per-views. Like, Elimination Chamber should have been just another pay-per-view. Usually, it's just another pay-per-view. It's in a random town. Ooh, Elimination Chamber match is fun, but whatever. This would, They were smart enough to know, okay, we're putting it in Montreal. At that time, Sami Zayn was the hottest act in wrestling at the time. And he's still a huge, huge act. But, like, that was, like, that was when the 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 Sami Zayn bloodline storyline was like at its apex, and so money and like Elimination Chamber felt like a WrestleMania type vibe. Like that crowd was crazy. Same thing with Backlash. Same thing. Uh, Clash at the Castle. I watched that back the other day. That felt like a WrestleMania. Like that that thing drew. Like when Drew McIntyre came out and went against Roman Reigns, that crowd was. Crazy crazy that that had a wrestlemania feel to it and same thing with night of champions like it's really cool to see when they're taking these very like i don't say minuscule not important pay-per-views but you know what i mean if it's not summer of slam or wrestlemania it's kind of a you know mid-card level pay-per-view but they're taking those and pushing those to overseas locations to enhance the profile of that pay-per-view and that's what they're doing with Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank is cool, but like it's never been like, you know, it never had a WrestleMania feel to it. And I guarantee you, it will have a WrestleMania feel in London. UK fans are crazy. Like they're they're some of the best wrestling fans out there. They're super smart. They've been tapped in with wrestling since the beginning. A lot of the best UK talent in wrestling are in are in WWE. There's a lot in great ones in AEW as well, but there's a lot of great wrestlers, uh, British wrestlers in WWE right now, even in NXT. So they're very aware of the product. NXT UK, I think, definitely helped uh, bring their awareness over there. So excited about Money in the Bank. Should be a fun one. My prediction for the Money in the Bank matches from the men's and the women's, my prediction for the women's is, I believe, and this is this isn't going a far-fetched prediction, but I think they're going to uh, give it to EO Shirai or EO Sky. I'm sorry. I call her EO Shirai because I've been tapped in since day one. I love EO since she was in, back in NXT. So I think they're going to give it to EO Sky. I think. Now, 
I don't think they have a ton of great options. I think EO is a great option. And then it kind of falls from there. I think Bailey is a good option just because Bailey having it always, Bailey anytime is funny, interesting, beautiful, geez, like gorgeous. But um, it's always fun to see on the screen. So, and she's funny and all that. So her having it would be cool. It would help damage control, but so would EO having it. Um, I kind of, it's weird because I kind of want to see like a Chelsea Green win it just, just for the like, I don't know. That would be very interesting to me. Like the women's division needs a story right now. It's not many fun stories right now. I mean, Trish's story with Becky is kind of cool. He's all right. It's gotten better over time. But like outside of that, it's not many feuds I or anything in the division I really care that much about, especially in, even the tag division is boring. But I think if you give it to EO, I think that's dope. Obviously, EO and Oscar have a huge history in this past, I want to say this past Raw before this latest one. Um, EO and uh, no, it was Friday. I think it was Friday. EO and Oscar had a moment and they were speaking Japanese to each other. Beautiful moment. And they were talking crazy too to each other. So I think that match would be fun to watch. Like those two have wrestled with each other and against each other for years, dating back all the way back to Japan. So I'm hoping it's EO, EO Sky. And I think they're going to put on a, I think EO will cash in. At some point, but I kind of, I kind of hope EO does like an honor thing, like no Oscar. Like I hope EO wins the Money in the Bank and kind of not even in a match, like straight up goes to Oscar and goes, "I'm turning in my Money in the Bank uh, opportunity. I want to face you straight up. I don't want to catch you off guard. I don't want to run in and catch you weak or you know wounded or anything. I want to. I want it to be an honorable match." Uh, and I can see EO doing that. Like those two have history enough and enough respect for each other to where that could be the case. That'd be fun. Like them two at like SummerSlam, fire. Now, for the men, as I mentioned before, I I do like the ricochets in it. Uh, Shinsuke, I think is great, but I don't think I think I don't think Shinsuke needs Money in the Bank. I feel like Money in the Bank is like like you don't want your like guys who are considered like fighters and like warriors like Shinsuke or like Kevin Owens or your Gunther's your like your people who take pride in being outstanding warriors and fighters and want to fight every night want to wrestle every night you know I don't think you give those guys the money in the bank I think money in the bank is best used when you give it to a a funny or like charismatic character who's a heel or heel or babyface, mostly usually a heel. And like in this case, I believe LA Knight should win because Ye's a really good wrestler. But but that's not why you give him the briefcase. You give him the briefcase because that man is gold on the microphone and he's great with the crowd. Like anytime he says his name, I'm gonna say it to you, L A Knight. Yeah, like the guy, the crowd goes crazy. Um, and so I think if you put that to give that to him, every every SmackDown, he has 15, 20 minutes to go uh cut a promo, like go out to the ring and just talk. Right? That's easy way to get him in front of people. 
you know, give him the ball, let him play. You know what I'm saying? Easy. It, it writes itself. So I'm really hoping LA Knight wins. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll just it'll it'll be a real moment. Like it'll feel like a moment again. I feel like the the money in the bank briefcase hasn't been important in a few years. Austin, they gave it to Austin Theory thinking thinking that he would have the same effect that I think basically what I'm saying is I believe LA Knight is a 10 times better version of Austin Theory. Austin Theory is cool. Yeah, right. He's not great. I don't like his character now. I thought Austin Theory was better when he was back with The Way. Back in NXT, he was funny. He was kind of dumb, but he's funny. Um, where in this one, he's trying to be like the tough, like jock, like, you know, I'm better than you. I'm the best U.S. champion ever. Like, we know you're not. Like, come on now. Um, but LA Knight is everything Austin Theory wants to be. LA Knight is funny. He's charismatic. He can go cut a promo for however long. And the crowd wants to dislike him because he's cheating and he's doing some, you know, shady things. But he's so charismatic and so funny and so great on the mic. You can't help but root for him. You can't help but like him. So I just think you give him, give LA Knight the Money in the Bank briefcase. And I'm telling you, you got weeks of content after that. Like you ain't, you just let, give that man a microphone and let him, let him work. Like give him an ISO, let him work. And you're going to be good. You're going to have some great shows. So I hope that's the case. So men's, I hope it's, LA Knight for women's, I hope it's EO Sky. Uh, Money in the Bank winners. Now, the bloodline, bloodline storyline is, is still the greatest storyline of all time. It's still going. That's the crazy part. But uh, if you didn't see in the latest episode of Dragon Ball Z, no, I'm just playing, but in the latest uh, SmackDown episode, the you know, Roman is gifted with a new belt to celebrate his 1,000 days reign is the WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion, whatever they name that title. Um, and he's doing his celebration or whatever. And the Usos come out. Now, this is after Jimmy, you know, smacked Roman in the in the face with two uh, super kicks. And so there's tension in the room, obviously. And so Jimmy's like going up there to like check Roman and be like, yo, like you're you've changed. Like you're starting to treat us crazy. Like you're not treating us like brothers. You're treating us like employees, like minions, like, you know, lesser than he's like, you can't do that. Like we're family. This thing started out as family. We got to keep it as family. And when we were family, we was winning everything, dominating and running WWE. And that's not the case anymore. And so Roman is like, nah, bro, like whatever. Hey, jump this fool. And Jay is like, nah like i'm good i'm not about to jump jimmy and then so roman's like man solo get this dude and solo's like i mean i I acknowledge you tribal chief but that's my brother you know what i'm saying solo and jimmy and jay are all brothers so solo's like that's my that's my my kin like that's my legit fam that's my brother so he you think solo lingers over and sides with the Usos, specifically Jimmy. And so Roman is like frustrated, getting emotional. And then Roman's like, and and Jimmy's like, hey man, it's all right. Like it ain't gotta be us fighting. Like, well actually Jimmy mushes uh, uh Roman in the face 
and they about to go back, go at it. And then Jay's like, yo, y'all got to chill. Like, what are we doing? Why are we fighting each other? Jimmy's like, yeah, you're right. And so he's like, yo, Roman, hey, I acknowledge you as a tribal chief. I don't want to be the tribal chief, but I do want to be treated with some respect. And so he's like, just like, let's come on, let's come together. And Roman's like, you're right. You're right, man. You're right. Gives him a nice little emotional hug. And that's when you know it's off. When Roman gives anybody a hug, just expect somebody getting their ass whooped. That's just that's just been the history of the bloodline uh, story. He's given Sammy a, a hug. He got beat up. He gave uh, Jay a hug. He got beat up. You know, it's countless dudes, <laughs> countless moments where Roman is given like a very frustrated but like emotional hug, and then after that, somebody got to pay. And in this case, Jimmy and Roman give a hug, and then. Um, Jimmy's like, yo, we good or something like that. And then uh, Roman's like, no, we're not good. And then he he looks to the side and Solo hits Jimmy with the Umaga thumb to the neck. And yeah, everybody's shocked, man. Everybody's shocked. We didn't think Solo. We knew Solo was like, it's weird. It's, it's so beautiful. Again, the story is so beautiful. When Solo was brought into the mix, Back back last year, he was brought in. What what they said was the elders brought him in. Roman was a little sus suspect about um, Solo. He was like, I don't know, man. Is he acknowledging me as the tribal chief? And then eventually, Solo did, but he tended to lean more towards Sammy and and the Usos than he did Roman. And as the story progressed, Solo became extremely loyal to Roman. And kind of kept it, kept everybody else at a distance. Um, and so now you think, okay, he's finally came back to his brothers, like with Jimmy and Jay. But then obviously he turns on on Jimmy, hits him with that umaga uh, uh, thumb to the neck, and Jay's surprised. But Roman knew, like, yeah, he's he's on my payroll. Like it is what it is. And so. This upcoming Friday is going to be a great episode because Jay Uso now has to pick who is he loyal to? Bloodline with Roman Reigns, Solo, Paul Heyman, um, or is he loyal to his brother, Jimmy Uso? So Jay got to make that decision. That's going to be crazy. It'll be very interesting to see how it works. I think he's going to slide side with his brother, Jimmy, but who knows? Besides with the bloodline, I would be surprised. Be very interesting, though. Uh, this story is amazing. And so now to finish it out, we have our top five German suplexes. Now, if you don't know what the German suplex is, think of like, okay. So for those that don't know, for those that know, uh, excuse me for a second, I have to explain. So for those that don't, so basically if you, the German suplex is like if if I'm standing straight up and someone is walking towards me, cool. We get like basically just think we're like face to face, right? And the one person, one of the people turns around and shows their back to the other person. And the person on the back just wraps his arms around him and then just basically tosses him to like throws him over his body, right? As hard as he can, uh, usually. Uh, sometimes there's a snap German suplex, which is really quick. 
sometimes there's more of a delayed, especially if they're picking up like a bigger guy, it's more of a delayed superplex, uh, German suplex. And then there's kind of the mid one. Um, there's different variations of it, and we'll kind of talk about that in my top five. But the the German suplex is funny. I was watching a video on uh, Mankind. Mick Foley was saying he hated the German suplex. He thinks it should be outlawed because he was saying that, like, like the German suplex has shortened a lot of people's careers. And I think that might be true. I think some people back in the day weren't necessarily taking the move well. Like, they was landing high on their neck or on their head. Or now you try to land on your back, right? Like safety is more of a prevalent now. Where back in the day it was just like wild, wild west, right? If you got in a ma- if you got in a match with like the Steiner brothers, oh, you was landing on your head, and you couldn't complain about it. So you was gonna be called a bitch, you know what I mean? So, um, so our top five suplexes. First one. Now I want to preface this. I do not condone. This man's actions outside of the ring, whatsoever. Just want to make that clear. However, I am doing a list about German suplexes. Therefore, I cannot leave this person off for wrestling purposes only. Now that we got that out of the way, Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Uh, his history is wiped from wrestling history. And probably rightfully so, due to his off the, you know, off out of the ring actions. However, in this uh, particular scenario, his he was one of the first guys I seen do the like suplex city style German suplexes where you do one German suplex, you keep your your hands locked, and you get up, take the guy with you, then do a second one. Keep your hands locked, get up and do a third one. That was the first guy I'd seen doing that. And even going back to like WCW, and I was like, man, I, I like this guy. And it was very like an intent throw. It wasn't like he, he was he was trying, it looked like it hurt, but it was also like, oh man, this dude's technical, this dude's clean, this dude's smooth. And man, it just always looked good. He's just shorter. He looked like a Wolverine, literally. That was his nickname. And so short, stockier guy, uh, or buff guy. And his moves just always look good. Um, shorter arms, so it was like real tight German suplex too. Uh, just really looked really good, and it was usually a lot of hips. And man, he would he would he would drop some dudes. Um, really looked good, and it, and it was really like a signature move of him. Honestly, like um, you was, a lot of people associate the German suplex back in the day with Chris Benoit. So that's enough talking about that guy. But yeah, he's on, he's number five. Now, number four, we have Brian Danielson. Some may know him as Daniel Bryan. Uh, Brian Danielson is like his like non-WWE name, wrestling name. Brian Danielson, very similar to Chris Benoit, is like a build in his style. Now, he his is less, uh, I don't think he locks his fingers. I think he has done, done the variation where he does lock his fingers, but he's usually is very like more of a snap suplex. Snap, uh, excuse me, German suplex. So grab you and then right into it, right? Snap him on his head, let him go, right? And so uh, more of a basic German suplex, but it was just efficient every time. And it looked really good. And again, the snap just added a level of intense intensity to it. And it just looked like it hurt more when it was snapped because the guy wasn't like 
ready and like getting ready and jumping. No, it was just, oh, we're going. Like you're going on this ride, whether you want to or not. You know, so um Daniel Bryan, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And yeah, one of the reasons is due to his great German suplex. And number three, that man, that dude, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was the suplex machine. Uh and he got that name for a reason. Um, he was rarely, he rarely did the, you know, he was more like the Taz style where like, he didn't do a ton of like your technical, you know, three Migos level suplexes. No, he was usually belly to belly, uh, suplex or, um, you know, a different styles of suplex, but the main one he used the most was the German. And yeah, there was one, I remember there when he really started getting into that like wrestling machine gimmick around like the mid two thousands. And I remember there's one video where like he was in the elimination chamber and the chamber opened up and there's like a bunch of guys in the ring. He comes out, gets in the ring and just German suplexes, like five dudes. Like, boom, 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 just hit them all with it. And man, it was just a great, a great, moniker and like that's the beauty that's the thing i love about the german suplex is like it's known as the wrestler's move right like if you're not a good wrestler you're not using the german suplex but if you're a great wrestler you you can't it's almost as if you can't be called a great wrestler and not have the german suplex in your bag it's just not the case um if you're up there you usually have this with you you're usually using this in your toolbox. And so, um, again, Chris Wall, Kurt Angle, Brian Danielson, all some of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time. You know what I'm saying? So, again, shout out uh, Kurt Angle, the wrestling machine. Great, great use of the German suplex. Now, number two is more of a newer entry and honestly one of my favorite moves of the current era, and that is Chad Gable. Chad Gable. Uh, shout out to him uh he is currently one of the in the tag team the alpha academy and i have him number two i have him so high and i know some people may not be aware of him or, or the name but the dude's german just just youtube it. Um, german suplex chad gable gorgeous bro he does it basically where you know he's behind the guy and he has the the German suplex locked in. He has his arms locked. But what he does is he runs the guy into the corner. Then they roll up, you know, like a roll-up pin. They kind of do that, and they roll all the way around. And then once they get back around, he hits them with the German suplex. And it is just a beautiful thing to watch. He's really, like, aesthetically pleasing, honestly. Um, Especially when he does it to bigger guys. Because Jack Abel's small. Like he's probably he's smaller than Kurt Angle was. He's about like Brian Danielson's size, and he may be smaller. Um, so to see a guy that small, that strong, is really fun. And so I want you guys to YouTube if you can. YouTube Chad Gable German Suplex against um, Braun Strowman at WrestleMania. Amazing, bro! Like that was one of the best German suplexes I've ever seen. Right. And for those who don't know, Braun Strowman is huge. Dude's like six, eight, four, damn near 400 pounds, I think, or something like that. 
and Chad Gable's like five, ten, five, eight, something like that. You know, maybe two hundred, maybe. And so, for him to hit that German suplex, not only hit the German suplex, but to use the roll up, and that's the beautiful thing about it. Again, his German suplex is he uses the roll up. He he, you know, gets it together, locks his arms. And gets behind him, locks his arms, runs him into the ropes, or runs him into the side stanchion, rolls, gets a roll-up, and basically the roll-up gains momentum for then to hit him with that final German suplex. And it's just it's just beautiful to watch, especially again against a big guy. So really check out that one he did against Braun Strowman. It's really fun to watch. And number one, I think we all know, I mean, it's literally called. His move is called Suplex City. I'm taking you to Suplex City. And that is number one, Brock Lesnar. Brock just, he he literally, the German suplex was fun. Everybody loves the German suplex, right? But the man did it, and now it be- instantly became a thing. Like, Suplex City was one of the hottest things in wrestling at, at a certain time. Like, it was to the point where, like, he would do it, like, three times, and the crowd would be like, one more time, one more time, and then he'd do it again. And then they keep trying to get him to do it, you know. And some of them, bro, some of them he was doing, I remember he he did one, he German suplexed Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan one time, and, bro, I thought, bro, I thought he died. I thought Daniel Bryan died. He threw him back so far and so high on his neck I thought it was over for a homie. And dude, and Brian, Daniel Bryan has had a lot of concussion issues. Like he had to retire due to concussion issues. So, man, that one hurt. I remember he did one of AJ Styles that was crazy. But like Brock is Brock. Like Brock don't care. Again, you're going to take this ride. Like I'm going to get you set up and you're going to take this ride whether you like it or not. So you better just get ready. And that's what a that's what Suplex City is. Uh, I remember he used to tell people like Suplex City, bitch. Like it was a whole yeah, t-shirts. It was it was like over with the crowd. And then I remember when he was doing it to John Cena, the crowd loved it because at that time John Cena, you know, people were sick of John Cena a little bit. He was he was just overexposed. And when he was getting hit with over and over and over with uh, German suplexes, it was just it was kind of satisfying, honestly. <laughs> from a toxic perspective, but yeah, it was satisfying to see him get beat up like that. And so Brock, easy number one, Suplex City kind of rejuvenated the move and to the point where like um, now everybody has it, you know, and everybody does it and they think Suplex City when they do it, right? That's, That's because how popular Brock made it. So yeah, again, go over my top five German Suplexes, number five, Chris Benoit, number four, Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan. Number three, Kurt Angle, the Olympic champion. And number two, Chad Gable. And then number one, Brock Lesnar in Suplex City. So, yeah, that's my top five German suplexes. Hope you enjoyed it. And, yeah, that's that's the episode, folks. Um, We will be back next week. And uh, follow us on the socials. You know, you know how that goes. You now Jordan goes to the whole spiel, the LMG podcast on Twitter, League of Melanated Gentlemen uh, podcast group on Facebook, 
join, hop in there. We talk about everything. Uh, on movie reviews, or wrestling, anything. Anything you got, we appreciate you hopping in. And I, specifically, me, the man you're hearing his voice right now, I appreciate you for listening. And till next time, we out. Yeah.